Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock NBA Podcast. Today's guest is Mod Sun. You may know him as a pop punk rapper these days, for example, from his new song with Avril Lavigne, which he just did on Jimmy Kimmel last night. Very cool. I've also talked about him uh, doing stuff with like Travis Barker and MGK, but He's been doing this for a very long time. As we talk about in this episode, he was in a couple bands you may have heard of like Four Letter Lie and Scary Kids Scaring Kids. He's been doing this for quite a while, but this was his breakout year, and we talk about exactly what made that happen. But what we talk about that I care about more than anything else is a lot of this stuff about happiness, about mental health, about addiction, just some really deep stuff here that I really hope you stick around for in like the second half of this episode might be my favorite conversation that I've ever had on this show. So please, I hope you stick around for this one and enjoy it as much as I did. Before we get into it, a couple ways you can support the show if you would like to. Number one is you can share it on social media. That really helps us a lot. Number two, you can join my new Discord. There's a link to that in the show notes. We're up to like 1,500 people now already. Pretty cool. Number three, you can support us on Patreon if you really, really like us. There is a link to that in the show notes as well. But first, before we get into that, let's do a little bit of Q&A. From Mark Alonzo, YouTube tips. Does the channel name matter? Do thumbnails matter? Sound, lighting, what does your setup workflow look like? The answer to your question is yes, everything matters. Channel name matters. Thumbnails definitely matter. Sound and lighting matters. I mean, everything matters. But here's the thing is there's no one you know, magic bullet. There's no one thing that someone's going to point to and say, that's the real key to this. If you do this part, then everything's going to pop off for you. That's not how it works. The only thing I can say that like really matters is consistency and patience. Like the formula of what will work is going to be different for everybody. And the only way that you are going to find it is by consistently putting out content and learning and getting better from every video that you put out. But that said, the things that I would say matter more than anything else. As far as production goes, I don't actually think production values matter very much, but good audio is more important than good video. So make sure you pay attention to that podcast with Metal Jesus Rocks. We get into that quite a bit if you want more details. Second thing is that topic, title, and thumbnail are the most important thing. I would say in a lot of ways, they're more important than the video itself because if you don't have a good topic, title, and thumbnail, nobody is going to click on your video and it doesn't matter how good the video is. So that's what I would focus on first. Like for me, I don't even write a single word of a video until I have 
a title basically like I start with the title and then I write a video to support that like if I want to make a video about Gwen Stefani I don't just start writing about Gwen Stefani I think of the title and then I write the video and the reason why I haven't made a video about her is because I don't know the title yet but I you know I'll have a moment when I'm running or in the shower or driving like it's usually in these kind of like I don't know uh flow state meditative kind of moments that it just pops into my head and I'm like ah there's the title and then I make a note of it like on my phone and then I make the video so uh all that stuff matters but uh don't worry too much about production values in the beginning there's lots of people that get big audiences with terrible production values Focus on the content more than anything else, specifically the topic, title, and thumbnail. Once you have that figured out, you can worry about production. That is my advice. I hope it helps. And with that out of the way, let's get into this amazing episode. Mod Sun, welcome to the podcast. It is a pleasure, mister. I listen to you religiously. I was just telling you that. So it's actually really fun. And uh, I've been waiting to do this, actually, because you're my favorite person doing this shit. I appreciate it. I was going to ask you, but you know, you're, you're busy doing Jimmy Kimmel and shit. So I thought, you know, he's going to be too, he's too big time for me. I won't even ask. We reached out to you probably, right? Yes. Which is amazing. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, that's, that's telling you the truth. I really do. Like I watch your shit religiously, bro. I get on a treadmill every single day and, um, I literally every time I'm on it, I watch your shit. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm flattered. Uh, well, speaking of Kimmel, how was it? You seemed pretty excited about it. Yeah, like the whole production of Kimmel is like really, really hitting me up. Like, bro, this is so cool how excited you are about this. I'm like, people come on Kimmel and aren't excited? Like, I guess that happens. I don't know how. Here's like my experience, bro. And I'm gonna be I'm gonna be hundred percent honest. So like I was born in Minnesota. My parents split up when I was at a very young age. My dad moved out to California. And um I would probably if I was lucky, I'd get to go out and visit my dad once a year. Every time I'd go out to see my dad, we'd drive up to Hollywood. He lived in Long Beach. We'd drive up to Hollywood and we'd sit in the Jimmy Kimmel audience. And um, I told my dad every single time, because I've been playing in bands. I know we'll get into this, but I've been playing in bands since I was 13 years old. So every single time I was in that audience, I'm going, Dad, I'm going to be up there one day. I'm going to be on that stage. I'm going to be on that fucking stage, man. And um so legitimately, I could have won a Grammy and it wouldn't have meant the same thing as Kimmel did. You, so you were like specifically excited about Kimmel, not just any TV show, but like Kimmel in particular. Everybody defines success differently. And I'm going to tell you how I defined it. If I played Jimmy Kimmel, I made it, period. And like my father passed away last year. And uh, I 100% think that he had a lot to do with this happening. You know, I believe in, in, in faith and all that kind of shit. And I pray for this. Like I pray for all these things and I really do believe that he had something to do with it. And, um, you know, obviously being joined by, uh, my queen Avril Lavigne, um, was it just like, man, you know, I made sure to say at the end, uh, dreams come true because like, to be totally honest, bro, like that was my dream. You know, I was just getting, I just mentioned it real quick. Like, if I won a Grammy, it really would not have meant the same as playing on Kimmel. And that's just how I define success and making it. So like, bro, it was, it was as much emotional as it was uh, amazing. And it's also like turning into kind of like a breakout moment for me because people are going, oh, shit, this kid really can sing. Because, like, you know, right. most people, I guess, go on this shit and lip sync and stuff. And that's not what we did, you know? Right. Right. Well, speaking of which, I mean, you know, like you said, you've been playing in bands for 20 years, but you've been, you know, doing your solo thing 
for like 10 years now. It feels yeah. like last year, maybe 2019, but I feel like especially last year was like your big breakout year. Is that is that right? Absolutely correct. Because I remember I, you know, I did an interview with you back in 2014 or 15 when you were doing like band happy stuff. You know, fast forward five years, I'm like, wait, Mod Sun's doing shit with Avril and stuff now? Like, holy shit, you leveled up. Not that you were unsuccessful before, but this is another level. I was, you know, I like, like, to, I mean, you're, you, you put your finger on the pulse completely. Like it was a, it has been a time um, for me right now that like, I'm really reaching a new audience. And that is not to say that I haven't had this amazing audience since the day I quit doing bands and starting um, Mod Sun, you know, Mod Sun stands for movement on dreams, stand under none. I am what I like to call the defender of the underdogs out here. I am in my thirties. I think we're living in a generation that people think that if you haven't made it by like 25 to fucking give up, uh, you know, I have this story that always stuck with me. Like people don't really know this, but Jay-Z's first album came out when he was 27, almost 28 years old. Reasonable doubt. 27, 28 years old. Like kids ingrain this into your head. This imaginary right. timeline that you put on yourself is trash. It really is. And um, yeah, bro, it has been the most incredible journey. And, and, you know, the most incredible part is like, I am true to this. I'm not new to this. And I, I would love to get into it with you. But like, I played in the bands. I went to the shows. I was a scene kid. And I'm not just discovering how cool this music was right. now. To be totally honest, I didn't see it coming. I didn't see this coming. You know, when someone like Machine Gun Kelly, as far as like the be, moment we're having now of this kind of music being kind of cool again, dude, when Machine Gun Kelly, who happens to be one of my best friends, told me um, last summer, I'm going to bring pop punk to the mainstream. I fucking laughed at him. I really did. <laughs> Good you luck, know? buddy. I said, yo, man, it's been we've been trying to do this. We really have. And uh, it would be totally false to say that he really didn't kick down the fucking door. Oh, he totally did. I mean, you know, there's lots of other people involved, like Travis and everything, but like he's definitely the person who made it happen more than anything. He really he really fought to do that. And like, you know, the beautiful thing is like he knows, you know, I've been me, me and him have been friends for a decade. He knows where I came from. He knows that I came from that world. Um, Travis Barker knows I came from that world. You know, I did a song with Travis Barker in 2015 shooting a video with him in my living room. You can go look oh, it I didn't up know that. anyone out there. It's called Never Quit. Um, the first thing I did when I moved out to California is I hit up Travis begging him to sell me one of his Cadillacs just so I could ride around in it and be like, I just like am fulfilling my dreams, man. Like I was raised by Travis Barker. I had my walls covered in pictures of him. I wore famous stars and straps every fucking day. I wore Macbeth's shoes. I literally like the epitome of a pop punk scene kid. And yeah, like I was touching on like, dude, I did not see this coming. I did not. And like in 2019, 2000, you know, the end of 2018, 2019, I really made a uh, a kind of switch in my sound. I released this song called I Remember Way Too Much. And that really kicked off this journey of me um, really like moving into, you know, I've always been making guitar driven music. I will like what I want to say on this first and foremost is that like, I'm not a fucking genre hopper. You know what I'm saying? What I am is someone that has studied art his whole life. And my favorite artists, and honestly, like the school of art, all the greats said, you got to reinvent yourself every 10 years. Yeah. Every 10 years. And you can look at my timeline and every 10 years, I reinvented myself. 
started playing drums in bands. I started in a band called Sideline Heroes, then a band called The Semester, then a band called Four Letter Lie, which was the first band I was ever in to get signed. We were signed to Victory Records. We went on tour. We opened up for a band called Scary Kids, Scaring Kids. I quit Four Letter Lie. Scary Kids, Scaring Kids had known who I was. They needed a drummer. And they said, Mod Son, will you be our drummer? And I said, only if you let Mod Son open the show, oh, I will okay. play drums. My first tour I ever did was opening up for Scary Kids, Scaring Kids in front of 1,500 kids and getting booed off stage. And then I'd go up and play drums for them. And, and then cheer. I'd put down the drumsticks, <laughs> run to my merch table and shove the shit in people's faces while they're walking out. And everyone's going, yo, I hated you for the first four hours of this show. And then I saw you get up there and play drums and you're fucking cool, dude. And that's how my career as Mod Sun started, for real. But like, you know, I, I just like, I like to, for with someone like you, like, I don't want to sound like a narcissistic fuck, but I do think this is a great platform for me to be like, yo, man, there's a very few, maybe, maybe three people right now that are doing this revival of this sound mm -hmm. that were really there, that were right. truly there. Well, I mean, a lot of these kids are like 19, so it's impossible for them to be there, which is fine. Absolutely right. But and like, there is yo, something to be said for the people who have been there the whole time. Absolutely. I mean, if you weren't a drive through records kid and you're talking about pop punk, I just don't, we just, we don't, we don't land on the same ground. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like that was everything to me. Newfound Glory's first album, like the nothing gold can stay, like this song called Passing Time. Like I can play every single Blink-22 song. I can play every single Newfound Glory song on drums. Every single one. Alkaline Trio was like the first tattoo I ever wanted to get. Like everything I, this is my DNA. So like, does it make complete sense that I'm having this moment in my career? Absolutely. Absolutely it does. But did I see it ever being valuable information? Did I see knowing the discography of every single drive through band ever being important? No, dude, I never did. I honestly was like, fuck, man. I was really putting everything into this scene that died because you know it died. Shit died. Yeah. Well, I think that's why I like your new music so much because... It doesn't just feel like, hey, let's play a song that sounds straight out of 2003, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, what you're doing is clearly informed by that, but it's not just a carbon copy of it. And I think that's what I like about it. First off, thank you. Seriously, thank you. Because, like, your opinion, dude, I could talk to a million fucking people in this world and hear that sentence. It wouldn't mean shit like it means coming from you. It really wouldn't, bro. Like, I respect you a lot. But, like, you know, I'm working with John Feldman, right? Okay, the used debut album. They had a documentary come out with it. Okay. I watched that shit every single day, every single day. And there's shots of John Feldman throwing trash cans at Burt McCracken <laughs> to get him to scream correctly. Okay. I wanted to work with John Feldman since 16 years old. My band, Four Letter Lie, I begged victory to throw out more money so we could work with john feldman we ended up working with matt goldman amazing producer done tons of shit under oath all that shit chariot um as cities burn like all that shit amazing producer but all i wanted to do is work with john feldman because i was like this dude is so much more than a normal producer you know he's so much more dude and like at this point you know he's my he's my fucking mentor bro he's my mentor this guy is he saved me from a lot of things. You know, I got, I cleaned up my life two years ago. I stopped doing hard drugs and alcohol. I've recently basically quit smoking weed too. And this is a, I haven't even said that before on anything, but like, you know, 
I'm totally down with being a hypocrite. We talked about having a song called Never Quit with Travis Barker. The hook is, I'll never quit smoking, never quit. <laughs> I might fucking quit smoking, and I'm okay with being... Sure, you, you grow. You grow. I mean, you don't want to stay the same person that you were, you know, six years ago or whatever. Absolutely. And, like, you know, what, what, what brought this up was, like, you know, working with John Feldman is different than working with anyone else in this town because, like, you know, it, it, it and look, I'm going to be I'm going to try to be as nice as I can. But like it's John Feldman. He has really started the wave of so many things. I mean, he was one of the first artist producers that made it as a producer. Like you listen to all the bands they used as a great example. List. Listen to that record they did before him. It's pretty good. But then mm -hmm. listen to the stuff they did with him. And it's like going from a B to an A plus <laughs> plus. I know, bro. You know, I mean, it's obvious what kind of what kind of a difference he makes. He's had that effect on me, you know, since the, the first day I walked in the studio with him, we made. And that's what a producer does. You know, they take they take the raw materials and the artist ideas and they help them bring the very best version of that to life. And I mean, you look at his track record. Nobody's done it better than he has in this genre. God, I'm so glad you're saying that, honestly. And he deserves all the uh, acknowledgments that can be said because, you know, he's also an underdog. Like, he gets looked over a lot. And, you know, my one of my biggest goals is to make sure that doesn't happen anymore. And I think he's having such, like, a revival right now of, like, there's a lot of people in this town that really want are begging to get in the studio with him. And, um, you know, it, he's always been busy, but he's more busy now than ever. And I just, like, I want to scream his name from the mountaintops because, like, he, you walk in the studio with him and he goes, I'm used to someone going like, all right, let's start a song. He's like, how are you feeling today? And I'm like, oh, I'm all right. And he's like, dude, open the fuck up. How are you feeling today? Like, I'll never forget. I'd love to tell this, this great story. He does this thing, breath meditation. It's where you sit there and you go, <sighs> you breathe from your chest and you breathe from your mouth. You do that. You, you close your eyes. You have a guided, a guide telling you to keep going. And you do that for 15 minutes straight. By five minutes in, you're fucking high off oxygen. Okay. And you start to like go to places you've never been. Okay. And you have someone sitting there going, if breathing is the hardest thing you've ever done, then who the fuck do you think you are? All you're doing is breathing. Keep going. Don't quit. Don't slow down. Get to the end. And like you get to the end of this 15 minutes and they do this like heart prayer. 15 minutes is a long time to do that. 15 minutes is a long time to do that. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'll be totally honest. Like the veil is, is completely down right now. Like I started bawling at like 10 minutes in and then, you know, we get to 15 minutes and they say, stop. And you do this heart prayer and they tell you to like, you know, I get a little emotional talking about this shit, but they tell you to like, think about a moment that you truly felt loved in your life. One moment. And you grab that and you open up the, the door in your heart and you put that in there. Now think about a moment that you truly felt faith in your life. I want you to grab that. You thought everything was going wrong. It worked out better than you ever met. Grab that, put it in your heart. Think about a moment where you truly felt laughter. Grab that moment, put it in your heart. And like, this was one of our first sessions that me and Feldman did. My father passed away last year. It was very, you know, close to, close to home. I had this contentious relationship with my father my whole life. You know, he had like, I had taken care of him. He would live in my house. He was like, you know, he was a uh, uh, too fast to live, too young to die motherfucker. It was get busy living or get busy dying crazy, you know? And he died with an addiction and he, he passed away because of alcohol. I love you, dad. I talk about you every day. But I had this, he said, find this moment of laughter. My dad was the funniest man on this planet, dude. He really was. And like, I didn't really have a place for my dad in my life after he passed away. And um, I found this moment of laughter. It was really him. He made me laugh harder than anybody in this world. And, uh, you know, I put it in my heart 
and it changed everything for me. And um, I came to from this and Feldy goes, now we're going to make a song. I'm like, snot's dripping out of my nose. And I'm like, you just went on this intense emotional journey. I'm like, like, you want me to get in there and fucking make a song right now? You're crazy. He's like, yes, this is where I want you to be when we make a song. And we went in there and we made this song for my father. It's on my album. And, um, you know, like, uh, it, it just, dude, it changed everything for me, man. And like working with someone like Feldman is, is not like working with other people. And this is why I'm having like this amazing moment because he took me to places I had never been. I hear Ross Robinson is like that too. Oh God. Legend. Legend, yeah. dude. Like, oh, he's a I cult just working with, I just yeah. went and worked with, um, scary kids, scaring kids two days ago. I was in the studio with them. I sang on a song. You know, Scary Kids, Scaring Kids, they're really one of the reasons that, like, Mod Son took off. Um, God bless Tyson Stevens. He passed away. He was one of my best friends. He was the singer of that band. Um, Scary Kids, Scaring Kids asked me to come in the studio the other day and um, and sing on one of their new songs. And, like, it was just one of those moments. Like, all these, all these like, really full circle moments are, are happening in my life. And I've been, you know, someone who's been propelling the ideology of, like, manifestation and like everything you do is a dot that's going to form a circle it's going to and like dude i'm having these moments in my life right now that like they're not hitting you know what i'm saying they're really like i'm zoomed out from myself i think that's like a trait that any artist can like really take from hopefully this conversation is like self-awareness but then also zooming the fuck out like zoom out of the picture man look at what is going on and like you know, there is there is a lot of a lot of miracles going on for me right now that are so much bigger than this fucking life we live, you know? I believe very strongly in everything you're saying. And I've had a lot of those experiences myself, especially, you know, I was unhappy for the first 34 years of my life. And then things just clicked, fell into place. One domino started falling after the other. And now it's like my life is awesome. Everything that I wanted to happen is happening. And I see that it's what you said, that, you know, it's all these dots that didn't seem like they were connected eventually coming together to form a circle. And I've had a couple of these conversations for any kid listening who's like, these old men are full of shit. Like, what is this hippie bullshit they're talking about? What would you tell that person to help them understand that this is real? Because I think this is really important. You know, everyone wants to say, like, like, they want you to know. They really want you to know, like, Once you hit this success or you get like, you know, every kid goes, I want to be a millionaire, right? So we put like this whole like million dollar mark on like success. Dude, you don't wake up the next day different. Right. You fucking don't. Okay. And anytime someone's been like, yo, man, enjoy the come up. You know, anytime someone's like looking at, you know, one of their idols who has what they they want. And that person says, like, enjoy the come up. Your initial instinct is to be like, fuck the come up, bro. I want to get there. I want to get there. (laughs) Easy for you to say. Yes. Yes. And like, dude, I mean, I am 100 percent having these moments right now. You know, like I'm having these moments that I defined as success and I'm waking up the next day. No different, dude. No fucking different. The one thing that has helped me the whole way is like, you gotta believe in yourself before anyone else, not like let them tell you that you are worthy or them tell you that you're good. We love comments. You are just like me. 
We read every fucking comment. <laughs> we don't, uh, as you said, uh, post and ghost. Yep. Because <laughs> I care. I fucking care. I, I mean, well, one thing's for sure. You know, you'll always learn more from a critique than you will from a compliment. You don't get anything out of a compliment. A critique, I have learned so much from the people that listen to me by them critiquing me. You know, I really have. But at the end of the day, bro, I believed in myself before anyone else. And that is the only reason I'm here. That is the 100% only reason I was not born with rich parents. I wasn't born a good looking kid. I wasn't born with this like fucking talent. I don't believe in talent, bro. Plain and simple. I don't believe in talent. I don't think Michael Jordan, if he never picked up a basketball, would be walking around with the greatest basketball player of all time inside his body. I don't believe that. I really don't. I do believe in talent, but I believe in the saying they say in sports, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. We've seen a lot of that in music, super talented people that kind of fuck off and don't do anything with it. And you're like, what happened to that guy? Absolutely. And I mean, like, look, man, I, I love disagreeing because I fully don't believe in talent. I don't believe that anyone is born more special than the other. I truly don't. But either way, it doesn't matter because all you can control is what you do. You can't control what you're born with. Absolutely. It's choices, man. It's really choices. And it's also like, you know, I like to think of the moment dictates my seconds, right? Like, I truly believe in being present. Now, I can talk about being present even more now because I'm fucking cleaned up and I'm not an addict. Well, I'll always be an addict. But I'm not sitting here shoving powders up my nose every day and drowning out all these things with fucking alcohol. I'm really becoming more present than I ever have. But one of my superpowers has been being in the moment. Okay. I do love to visualize your future and we can get hippy dippy and manifestation yeah. and law of attraction. That shit helped me out a hundred percent. But being in the moment. That's what dictates my second. It's hard. It's absolutely hard, but it's the greatest, greatest challenge you can take. You know, there's this great quote that's like, if you think about the past, you get depressed. If you think about the future, you get anxiety. So why not live in the present, right? I, well, I read a great quote about addiction, which I don't remember who it was, and I'm not going to do it justice. But basically, this person was saying that people use drugs because they are afraid of the future and you know, don't want to be reminded of the pain of the past. And I was like, well, for me, that was 100% fact. And so the answer is to like be present. And that doesn't mean that, you know, the bad shit in the future that could happen, the bad stuff in the past, that's real too. But all you really have is the present. And as soon as I got comfortable with that, I just literally, literally overnight, just didn't want to do drugs anymore. Man, it's, it's it clicked like that for me too. I would do them now if I wanted to, I just don't want to. Man, it's the same shit. Like I was saying to you, like I've smoked one time, smoked weed one time in the last three and a half weeks. I smoked one time and I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Yeah. And now like, look, man, I think that everyone defines sobriety differently. And like some people get really mad at me about talking about this shit because like, you're smoking weed and I don't give a fuck, man. I really, I live my life the way I want to. And my fucking huge issues that I had where I was killing myself, I almost OD'd on cocaine, right? So like, oh wow, I got a second lease on life. That's hard to do. Yeah, it's fucking hard to do. I was on an eight day bender, brother. And like, you know, I was on a cocktail of shit, but that was my lights out. Right. It's like, I passed out and I woke back up, you know? But like, I decided, you know, to stop leaving the house with a suitcase every day. And this is how I look at it. It's like, I was carrying around this imaginary suitcase that was filled with trauma. Most of it didn't even belong to me, right? It was childhood trauma that I had no control of. It was 
trauma from being kicked out of my first band. They looked at me and said, you are not good enough to play drums for us anymore. Fuck you, boys, for doing that, right? I love you to death, but fuck you for doing that. You know, real shit. And like, you know, I got made fun of for wanting to become a rapper. I got fucking made fun of. I got laughed out of the building. And then I even got more laughed out of the building because I wanted to make positive rap about the law of attraction. Like, you know, this was like real trauma that I was like, no, I'm bigger than that. I'm bigger than that. But I was carrying it around with me every time I left the house, every time I was carrying the suitcase. And one day I was just like, I'm going to put this fucking suitcase down, but I'm not just going to put it down. I'm going to open that motherfucker up. I'm going to look at every little thing and we're going to start unwinding, you know? And like, these are things that you learn. You definitely get to learn some of these things in AA. You know, what I really took from AA was God. You know, I was not, uh, I've prayed every day for the last two days, two years and for the last two days. I've prayed every day (laughs) for the last two years and four days, however long it's been since I stopped doing what I was doing, you know? And uh, you definitely take that from a, but therapy, the whole point of therapy is to go, why, 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 why let's unravel this shit, man. You know? And so like, I put down that suitcase and I opened it up and I took a look at everything inside of it. And I was like, a lot of this shit doesn't even belong to me, you know? And once I started just like leaving the house without that suitcase, that's really why I think I'm having these moments in my career, dude discipline Mm -hmm. like i was just talking dude a lot of people don't understand that addicts have the greatest discipline in the whole world oh my god dude if you can find a way to fucking fund an oxy habit with no job you can fucking start the next amazon (laughs) the The, discipline how do these people do it the discipline it takes to get (laughs) fucked up every day is incredible okay I started going, man, I should just put this discipline in this stuff that might actually help me. Like the energy that it takes to score. Like what if you put that into literally anything else? (laughs) Oh my God, bro. I mean, the whole like getting a fucking eight ball of cocaine every other day was insane because you're going like this. We're not going to buy this shit in bulk, man. You know? So, but I won't even want it in two days from now. And that two days comes around and you're going... Yo, who's got, where are you? Where I'll go, I'll meet you anywhere. Yeah, I'll, I'll, meet I'll you drive in the to gutter. San Diego to meet I, you at the parking lot of McDonald's, no problem. Dog, I spent so much time talking to people I hated just so I could fucking score. I'm sitting there in their fucking apartment down on Sunset Boulevard, just like, get me the fuck out of here. Just pass yeah. me the drugs, you know? And it's like, <laughs> bro, that <laughs> discipline that it takes to get fucked up can be put into all the things that are going to help you. And that that's literally what I did. I transferred my discipline. I didn't get like this incredible, like superhero. I'm now all of a sudden so much better. It's like, dude, I literally just took this discipline and put it into stuff that's going to fucking help. That addict energy doesn't disappear. You just channel it into something better. Not at all, bro. And like all the, you know, all the, the most successful people in the world, like you know, it, it, it's been stated like those people don't hang out and chill. They fucking work, you know? Yeah. And like working to me has been like the one thing like I, I was just saying, like, on my last day, I want to die working. I don't want to die relaxing. I really yeah. don't. I want to die in the middle of working, bro. And like I hold these things very close to me as to like my motivation to like really get better. And then to also like, dude, your story is the one thing that you have. You can say two sentences in this world that are real. One is I am, and that's it. Once you say I am this, that, it gets a little blurred, but I am, I am right here. And I do have a story. My future, Mm -hmm. that's dependent on how I do here, but I do have a story. 
And, you know, these are my superpowers, bro, is to tell my story and to know that I am here right now and that this is what I can do. Were you afraid of losing the creative spark, you know, once you got sober? Because I, I would be, to be honest. Yeah. First off, I thought cocaine was my fuel. I thought that was why I enjoyed sitting in front of the computer making music. I truly did. I was like, you know, as long as I have this, I will do this. And that's fucked, bro. It's really fucked because like what what music is to me is so vast. Like not only is it my escape, it really is. Like if I put on a song, I really fucking leave everything behind and I go to that song. But like it's also like my true like essence in my heart. I think it's one of the best things, you know, you could you could look at the most evil people in the world and even those people listen to music. You know what I'm right. saying? It's like it's such crazy that we've been giving 12 notes. We've been given 12 notes and we're able to keep making new shit every day. Yeah. I don't I if that's not a miracle, tell me something that beats that. I, I really don't know if there's another miracle that's bigger than that. Reusing these 12 notes. But like, I really was like thinking that my drive to do it was based off of the substances I'm putting in my body. I really did. And like, honestly, too, like this Jimmy Kimmel performance that I just did right when COVID hit, I was eight days into a tour. These were my first shows not getting in front of people and chugging a bottle of whiskey, right? These were my first shows ever doing that. So I really didn't get to experience the whole going out on stage 100% present. I got to experience it for eight shows and it was just starting to seep in. This Jimmy Kimmel performance, man, I was never going to say I have the greatest job in the world ever because I didn't look at this as a job. I was like, this is the luckiest fucking thing in the world. I'm going to party through it. I got on Jimmy Kimmel's stage the other day and I was like, this is a job. This is a fucking job. I am going to bring my A game and I'm going to be so present. And like, dude, I've performed better than I ever have. I've made the best music of my entire life. This shit is seeping out of me way more. My vision is so clear. There's one yeah. thing that, that really happens when you're an addict. It's like this. It's like you have an idea. And then your idea is also matched with when is the next time you're getting fucked up, right? So no matter what, I'm thinking about two things every second of the day. And that timer of like, when is the next time you're going to get high? That is like the the clock that governs everything. <laughs> right? Damn, I love you, bro. You're good at this shit, man. You're so great at this shit. You're like, oh, I got an hour and a half. Whatever I'm doing right now, it's stopping in an hour and a half because then it's time to go get high again. Period, bro. And that's like your one thing that's really like that was fucking up my vision. Now, like, I know that I have traits of a visionary to sit here and be like, now, listen, Finn, I'm a visionary. It's kind of like, shut the fuck up. But I know I have traits of a visionary. Sure. When I close my eyes and listen to a song, I see a movie being played, you know? So like now my creativity is just so vivid, bro. It's like I'm seeing color for the first time, truly, you know? And like, Yo, one, one, one of the other things is like, you know, I can, I, can, I can look at it viscerally and be like, the world seems bigger now. A lot of it's because my eyes were like, fucking this. Right. And now I'm like this. So I'm seeing the whole world even more. But really, man, this, these blinders that like a horse race is running with, you know, they put those on because they don't want them to see anything on the left or the right. I got to take those away. And like, my vision has become massive. You know, I've always had a grandiose vision. 
this is a great quote someone told me. You remember crush management and all them? Yeah. So I did this thing. Um, I was chosen when, when I just started Monsun. I was chosen as one of the top 15 unsigned artists in the world. And I was put into this Rolling Stone competition to be one of the to be the first unsigned artist ever on the cover of Rolling Stone. Okay. So this must have been 2012 or something. And um, I went in to do all this industry shit. And one of the things is they put me in the room with uh, the guy who runs Crush. And he was like, tell me, who's your dream tour with? And I was like, Bob Dylan. And he's like, listen, buddy, I'm going to teach you one thing. I'm going to teach you two things right now. Okay. The first thing is when you're sitting in an office of someone that you want to work with, look around, see who's on their walls. That's Say one of those. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That was the first thing. I was like, all right, this is what to play the game. The second thing she was like, there's a difference between a vision and a hallucination. Okay. A vision other people can see with you. A hallucination is just living inside your head. A lot of this creativity was a hallucination for me prior to getting clean, you know? Now I really truly believe my vision can be seen by other people, you know? And stronger than ever. I, I agree with that. I feel like the clarity of what you want to do became so much more apparent in the last two years, for sure. You know, as someone who's been aware of what you're doing for a long time. Yeah, thank you. And it's an honor whenever you bring up my name on your videos, bro. I fucking freak out, I do. I'm a fan. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, 
You can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. I don't know if it's the same thing, but it happened to me like when I was, I was into like Adderall. And so I would do, I was up to like 320 milligrams a day, which I'm is a fucking lot. And I thought that that was the way that I was able to make all this stuff. I was doing graphic design back then. And I was like, God, when I'm on this shit, I'm just a fucking machine. Yep. But then I looked back at the stuff I did when I was all gacked up and it was terrible. <laughs> Same shit. You know, at the time I was like, dude, I'm brilliant. This is amazing. And I look back and I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? This is awful. Oh, so I think man. a lot of people who think that they need drugs to fuel their art are, are really kidding themselves. And like your brain is literally not functioning properly. So you really shouldn't trust your judgment. And you're absolutely right. And that's like the whole hallucination of it is like you are creating something that can't be understood. And like, honestly, like I, I love abstract art. I love to be the fucking weirdo. I was called the weirdo my whole goddamn life. And that's never going to change. I love that. But like the whole thing is like, you know, and this is the great thing. It's like, there's always this, like, it's never too, first off, just like one of those corny fucking posters you see on the wall when you're in elementary school. I love those. Okay. So anyone out yeah. there that's like, man, that shit's cheesy. Shoot for the fucking moon. If you miss you land on the stars. Yo, the shit works, okay? It's true. But it's like, yo, I had to learn how to go above everyone's head, over their head, be un understandable and undigestible to understand how to peel it back and be relatable and be understood. And like, you know, I you, one of the reasons in, in this movie, Downfalls High, that we did for Machine Gun Kelly is because I've always understood what I call the Van Gogh syndrome, which is like, you know, Van Gogh was this, now he's known as the, one of the greatest artists of all time, right? Well, he didn't fucking sell a painting while he was alive. And like, he thought he was fucking worthless. And he was like, this and that. And I really do think that that started the tortured artist ideology. The whole idea that you have to be tortured to make great art. Yo, the fact that we think you have to be sad and in a broken relationship, a breakup leads to the best love songs. I hate that. I want to I end that. I really want to end this whole, you got to be tortured, man. I want a great relationship. I want a great family life. I want to be able to like be there for my fucking supporters. And like, if you're this fucking hermit hiding and being like, I'm too crazy for society. It's like, yeah. yo, you know, I don't want you to die that way. And I have the whole 27 club tattooed on the top of my arm. It was one of the first tattoos I got. Okay. And like, I truly believe those people did not want to die at 27. Okay. Right. I know that they enjoyed fucking raging just like I did, but I don't think that they wanted to die right then. I really don't. And like, if I could do anything, it's really like be this person. That's like, man, it's never too late. It's first off, just never too late. You know, it's never too late to change and become a different person and evolve. 
but it's also like I want to be understood, dude. I want my art to be understood. Period. I don't want to be uh, too smart for everyone. I don't like that shit anymore. Yeah. I did before. I enjoyed being like, you don't get it, so you're a fucking idiot. Like Warhol's one of my favorite artists of all time. Love him or hate him, I don't know where you sit because you're an art lover as well. I loved Warhol because it was like, if you understood him, you thought he's a genius. If you don't, you think he's a fraud, right? Yeah, then, exactly. I always yeah. loved that. But now I'm like, I'd like to see what that line in between is like. I really would, you know? I don't love being so polarizing. My whole career has been polarizing. It's love or hate. Like, I'd like to find what that middle ground is. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, I would love that. That's why I love like Lady Gaga so much, because I think she has found that middle ground a lot where she has that super mainstream appeal, but then she also does super fucking weird shit that nobody understands, like the uh, cover of Born This Way, where she's like a motorcycle. Yeah, no, that's know? a great, great point to bring up that I've never she's thought weird about. As shit. I, she is. You're right. She does really ride that line where she's like, but some the people that are like, it's too artsy, but I love it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> and or more recently, Miley Cyrus, too. She has done a lot of weird shit that people, including me, were like, I still don't know why she did some of this stuff, but I think it's cool. You know what I love about you, Finn, is that you love these female pop artists, bro. I've heard you talk about how your playlist is like so much of like Iggy Azalea yeah. or something. She, she is an absolute visionary. Watch the behind the scenes for... Uh, I forget which video it is. Might be fuck it up, but she's in the edit bay with her colorist giving direction to the colorist that's as good as any art director. And I've worked with art directors for 20 years. Her direction to that colorist is as good as any art director I have ever heard. Like the magenta looks a little hot. Bring down the three quarter tones and the magentas a little bit, especially look here on the guy's chin. It was like, she knows what the fuck she's talking about. Okay, good, good. And that, you know what? I'm going to tell you right now, I'm finger on the pulse kind of person as well. I pretty much direct every single one of my music videos. I edit everything. So people are going to look at you and be like, oh, he's, he's just this goofy pop punk rapper that, you know, they just put him up on stage like a puppet. He doesn't, you know, he's not really doing anything and they're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th I think a lot of these like female pop artists are brilliant visionaries and people write them off because they're pretty girls, to be honest. Hey, good shit, man. And it's bullshit. Like, there's nothing wrong with being a pretty girl. I know it sounds like, oh, boohoo, let's feel sorry for pretty girls. But it's fucking true. Like, people do not take pretty girls seriously as like professional creators. Absolutely, brother. And that's a great point. I think any artist that's willing to put the finger on the pulse is you know, truly giving themselves to the art. There's nothing worse than someone who shows up on set and doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah, I guarantee you, if you work with Miley Cyrus, she knows exactly what the fuck she wants. Yeah, I love that. I love that, man. I guarantee that. I mean, I don't know her or anything, but I guarantee it. Just to throw someone in there like Avril Lavigne, man, I, I'm going to just mention that with it. It's like, this is a person who is aware, hyper aware of every single thing. She's the one who decided to dress like she was and push that when everyone was telling her, don't do that, you know? And like, I have she didn't have so... a 20 year career by fucking accident. And she still sits down on her couch, grabs a guitar and writes the song. And like, that's where I get this whole like, oh my God, this journey is so beautiful about art because art doesn't have wrinkles, you dig? Like art doesn't just have this like, you can't make it once you get old. Bob Dylan, my favorite artist in the world, he dropped a song last year that hit Hot 100 about JFK's death, and it was like fucking nine minutes long. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh wow, I didn't know that. Oh, bro, it's it's literally like these are the these are the reasons that keep me wanting to believe that like 
I'm getting better every day, bro. And like, you know, there's a lot of things in this world that are telling you opposite. And then now more than ever, it's like this timeline of like, you gotta be popping by this age or you're done. And like, I just want to end all that shit as much as I can. Obviously, is there an ending point? I don't know. But like, if I can be anything to these people, it's like, first off, I like to call myself like the defender of the underdogs because I'm really trying to do this for all the kids that are like, that we're just told you can't do this. You're not going to do it when there's when someone says this whole shit, this whole one in a million shit, it fucking pisses me off because I'm like, that's the one I was the one. All these people said that's one in a million. And I was one. I'm the one. How do you not see this? You know, I like to you know, I, I've just realized recently that I have held myself back in life by by telling myself that nobody ever told me I couldn't do anything, but I told myself that I couldn't or that wasn't realistic or you know, well, why don't you, you know, why don't you tone it down a little bit? And in hindsight, I realized that was just self-limiting. And I should have been asking the question of, well, why couldn't it happen? And 90% of the time, there's no real reason other than like fear, basically, you know, there's shit like, oh, well, I need to get a deal. I need to buy this or that. All right. Well, there's always a way to figure that kind of shit out. But the belief that you can do it is the fundamental like building block to all of this, in my opinion. Not that I've accomplished anything fucking amazing in my life, but I'm happy with where I'm at. Well, you absolutely have because you inspire people every day, brother. I'm, I'm obviously not going to try to just sit here and be like, no, Finn, come on. <laughs> but like for real, bro, I mean, you are a voice for like a whole generation that's happening right now that's actually meeting the grounds between someone who's my age and someone who's very fucking young. And that's like a really hard thing to do. So like, bravo to that. And then going back to it, it's like, if there was a Bible of how to make it, the first thing is going to be believing in yourself. That's it. That's it. That's it. Plain and simple. And like, whoever you, if you have that, you'll figure the rest out. Yeah. Whoever you pray to, or whoever you believe in, or if you say there's no such thing as God, it's a universe. Or if you say there's no such thing as any of that, it still goes down to what you're holding in your heart. And like, I love sounding like this shit, bro. I love sounding hippy dippy because it's so real. It's like, I will Super real. fight, I will fight to the end of the day by saying like, dude, I'm not here because I have a skill set that other people don't have. I'm not, I'm simply not, bro. I am here because I saw this in my head. I held on to it. I believed it. And no matter how many times I was told, no, dude, there is so much power in redemption and revenge. Again, I love the words that have been abused. The first one, selfish. They say, you can't be at the top of your list or you're selfish. Fuck you. I'm selfish. You want to know why I'm selfish? I helped myself and now my help is so powerful. But if, 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 you, if you poison the well, how are you going to drink from it? Yeah, that's the foundation. If you don't have your own foundation built, then how can you do anything else? you got to be able to be selfish, man. you got to want to watch your movie that stars you and all the things you did at the end of your life, okay? The second one is there's so much power in redemption and revenge. The word revenge is another one of those on the bad list. Oh, you can't wanna have revenge. It's like, fuck you. I was able to get here because I wanted those dudes who kicked me out of their band to know they made the biggest fucking mistake of their life that day. I want them to know that, and that's okay. It is okay. I'm not going, if I see those guys, I'm gonna laugh in their fucking face. As a matter of fact, I took those guys and let them live in my goddamn house five years, eight years later after they kicked me out. I moved them out to California. I love those boys. But the fact is that built this idea of I'm going to do it no matter how many times I'm told I'm not. And the day I do it, I'm going to be like, I was right. I love that. And, you know, I think that 
One of the things that bums me out about the scene is how much like self-limiting thinking there is and that it's it's considered cooler to be cynical than it is to be uplifting. You know what I mean? That it's corny to be uplifting. Why? Like, what's corny about that? I think it's corny to be the guy sitting in the back, like, who's too cool for everything and tell everyone else they can't do it. Like, that's fucking corny to me. Look at fucking Connor Oberst. Perfect example, right? He wrote all these super depressing songs, but what song do we love about by him? This is the first day of my life. I'm glad I didn't die before I met you. Positive as fuck. So it's like, yo, it really hits on a different level to live both sides, you know? Like I, for a fact, can say I have fucked up a lot of relationships and a lot of time by being overly in one side or the other. And let's just go to like the positive aspect. Like, I know that I really hurt one of my friends when I was younger by this instance right here. I was in my phase where everything had to be positive. Everything had to be positive law of attraction. If you say one bad thought, you're fucking up your whole life. My friend's best friend got shot, okay? He came to the studio sad and was talking about being sad. And I looked over at him and I go, don't you dare be sad in my studio. You need to be happy that you knew that person. And that's it. If you're not going to be happy that you knew that person, what you're going to trade that you, you you're going to wish that you never knew that person. Like instead of being sad, fuck that. You need to celebrate. And I hurt that person very badly, you know, and I've done that a lot of times in my life where I push this. You have to be happy. You have to celebrate. I'm going to go to a funeral and I'm going to go. I'm so happy. I knew that person. There's no tears coming out. You know what? That's bullshit. There has to be this balance. And there's a beautiful, beautiful balance you can live. And it's like, yeah, the uplifting shit, it's great. The sad shit, you know, we all know that a sad song can make us happy. It's this That's real weird, too. Yeah. weird, weird thing that happens in life, especially with art, that the saddest song can make you happy. That's a blessing. It's an absolute blessing. It's called empathy. It's called understanding, putting yourself in someone else's position. These are things that like, you got to understand it's the human condition to want to go to both places. You know, like the fact that like I'm I'm now, you know, I'm, I've, I've was diagnosed as chemically imbalanced in my brain when I was a very little kid. And that, you know, that this is why I push so much positivity on myself is because I was like, why am I fucked up in the head? Like I can fix this. I'm in control. And it's like, dude, let the control thing go away and Feel like a human being. Feel like a human fucking being. Stop trying to be a superhero and stop trying to be the villain in your life. None of us are driving the bus. Stop trying to say, I'm fuck. oh, I'm going to wake up and I do wish I wasn't alive. It's like, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. You don't have to be like that. You can feel like that, but there is an overcoming of it. And it's also, it's human. It's human nature. And like, yo, there's going to be a lot of people that have listened to me for years that are going to be like, this is a different person than the one that I grew up listening to. And I'm like, yes, it is. The beauty of evolution, baby. I am not digressing. I am progressing, you know? You mentioned movies a couple times. Yeah. And you always say, you know, movie and your posts and stuff. I don't know if this is where you're headed with it, but maybe maybe you'll like this idea. There's a guy named uh, Paramahansa Yogananda that I'm a big fan of. He wrote a book called Autobiography of a Yogi that's pretty well known. Another one called Whispers from Eternity, which is like my favorite book. My mom gave it to me when I was a kid. He has a thing that he talks about of watching the cosmic movie of life unfold before you, 
which is what I try to do a lot. You're talking about like detaching and stuff. And when I feel myself, when I feel my emotions getting the best of me and letting them control me and I'm getting wrapped up in like the material world, if that makes sense. I know this sounds super hippie, but I try to remember this is the cosmic motion picture of life. Is that where you're headed to any extent with the movie stuff? Yeah, I mean, 100%, bro. Seems like you have like a movie in your head of what your life is going to be. Yes, and I know that I want my movie riddled with all emotions, you know? And like, really what I think with this movie thing is like kind of what I was touching with is like, I want to die and watch my movie. And I want it to be my favorite movie ever made. And I need to be the star of my movie. I do not want to offend. I love you to death, bro. I'm not going to watch your fucking movie when I die. Okay. It's going to be my movie. And like, I am so, so into the idea that like, when something horrible happens, that this is like the arc of the greatest movie ever written, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, understanding that like i really believe that someone is watching my life right i really believe it and like i make it a point to wake up in the morning and i'm by myself and i get up and i start dancing and i'm like yeah baby you see me i'm talking to myself all that because i personally do believe that blessings come to the greatest movies okay so like if someone's up in the sky flipping through channels let's say i'm gonna say it's god and god's watching a tv and he's flipping through the channels Okay. He's got a lot of fucking movies to watch, right? When he lands on mine, I want to make sure it's entertaining. Okay. I want to make sure he's not seeing a kid sitting in bed going, fuck this, fuck this. Cause you think he's really going to want to tune into that shit. I don't believe so, but I do believe if he sees me and he flips through my channel, he lands on it and I'm in the bathroom by myself going, Hey baby. Yeah. We gonna make it. Like I truly believe he's going to go, well, I got other movies to watch, but I'm going to come back to this one. And whatever this kid needs to continue being this, I'm going to get, bless him, take it from me, bless him. And like, I truly, truly believe in that. And I've believed in that since I was a kid. I believe, you know, and now, now there's all this talks about like life being a simulation and like, sure, it touches to that shit too. Okay. The movie Vanilla Sky, this is probably a lot of what started it. You know, the movie Vanilla Sky has this quote in it, mortality as home entertainment. And I've always <sighs> believed that we are down here to entertain something, you know, good or bad, good or bad, man. We all know that some of our favorite movies, our favorite scenes are when something horrible is happening. And I want to be that home entertainment for whatever's watching, you know? So it has like this double-edged sword of being like, at the end of my life, I need to make sure that I gave this shit my best. Because as much as I believe in reincarnation and all that, I'm like, this is the one I've always wanted to live, right? So like, I do believe in, in one of my last lives, I was a dandelion. I believe that everyone was like, you're not a flower, you're a fucking dandelion, you're a weed, rip them out of the ground. And I'm like, I'm a fucking flower, asshole. I was a dandelion, <laughs> I love dandelions. A weed, you know? Yeah. I'm like, I'm a fucking flower too. I believe that. But I'm also like, this is the one I've wanted to live my whole time here. And like, this is probably my last one because I'm getting what I want and I'm understanding shit. So it's like, I truly believe this shit. And like, I want everyone to believe that life is a movie, bro. And it's so simple because like, you know what? You know what real art is to real art is perseverance. You know how many times people have said, shut up with the movie. I mean, bro, I get it a thousand times a day. People going, <laughs> shut the fuck up with the movie. You know what? I'm going to do it till the day I die. And you're never going to get me to stop. 
And that takes perseverance. You know how many times I want to just fucking do his little story and post it without having to pull over and type in movie? Like all the time. <laughs> but it's perseverance. It's belief. It's, it's like, yo, listen, guys, you're going to understand what I'm saying one day. Might be when you're dead and it might be too late. I don't want you to watch my movie. I want to watch my movie. I'm the star of my movie. I want you to be the star of your movie. And I want you to enjoy this shit. Even when it's awful, enjoy it. What would you say to somebody who is going through some legitimately fucked up shit? Like my mom's parents both died separately when she was super young and it affected her whole life. And she would always kind of like, she would always like beat herself up for not being positive about it. You know what I mean? Like, she's like, oh, I should be looking for the positive. And, like, and I'm be like, mom, your parents died in fucked up circumstances when you were like 14 years old. It's okay to just say that was fucked up and it sucks and there's no silver lining there. What would you say to somebody who, you know, feels like, well, yeah, but the movie of my life fucking sucks right now. I don't like this movie. What would you say to that person? That's a great question, bro. That's a heavy one. And legit, they're not being negative. They're going through something legitimately shitty. I think that I've evolved into different answers. Ask me this 10 years ago and it would have been different. It would have been going, yo, listen, man, you're lucky to be alive, period. You're lucky to be alive. At this point, I have changed so much that like I understand that feeling, you know? And like, I honestly believe that I tried to swallow those emotions too. I guess my best advice would to be to talk about it, right? I think that that's almost the key to like every issue that you have in your life. Personally, me, I've never had a moment of silence in my life. I have a voice in my head who has never shut the fuck up, okay? That voice is like 10 times more intelligent than me. And by the time it reaches the edge of my teeth, it sounds like vomit compared to what's being said inside. Truly. And, um, you know, I've tried to swallow all these feelings, right? I really have. Like, there's been a lot of death in my life. Like, my cousins were my idols when I was younger. They fucking died in a horrible car accident when I was like six, seven years old. I'll never forget seeing the tears and not, and, and, and I was so young. I didn't, I couldn't even understand it. And then like, you know, moving through life, I've had like coming from a broken home and all this shit. And um, talking about it is the pinnacle to, to getting through it. And like, I love this saying that's like the only way over it is sometimes through, right? And um, I truly, truly believe in that. So like, I would love to give you some super educated, intelligent answer. But truly, it's like, talk about it. Absolutely talk about it. And like, if your friends aren't willing to listen, understand that like, Therapy is so, so special. It is so fucking special. And like, if you can't afford a therapist, like look up therapy on YouTube. You know what I'm saying? And you can get these, all, all these things you want from the age that we're in. We're in this amazing digital age where it's like fucking tutorial life, dude. It is like the greatest school of all time. I will shout that from the top of the mountains. Like anything you want to learn is out there on the internet for free or super cheap. Anything. Absolutely. And like, you know, what comes with talking about it is also like writing about it, creating with it, using it as like this driving force to like create something that allows you to fucking move past it. And like, again, man, I wish I could give you this like super over the top answer, but it's like these things are such easily solvable by the basis of life. You know what I'm saying? 
let it out of your body. Holding it in for this whole time has like tortured me. And being like telling people like, yo, just shut up and be lucky you're alive is like, dude, that fucking hurts. It can really hurt sometimes. And I really hurt myself and I stunted my growth. And I did so much uh, negativity by pushing positivity, right? I did so much personal negativity by forcing positivity. It's a weird, weird edge, you know, tightrope to walk. But it's like, man, let it out of your body. You know, an internal dialogue is nothing compared to the outward one that can happen. Saying it out loud one time can be the cure. You know, I would love to hear what you would say. Well, for one, I would say don't use drugs to self-medicate and try to make yourself feel better because it 100% of the time will not. It will only in the it might make you feel better in the moment, but it 100% of the time will make your life net worse. So that is not the answer. And I know it because I tried instead of my parents and my uncles and fucking everybody I know in my life has tried and everybody agrees that it doesn't work. So don't do it. That's the first thing I would say. Second thing I would say is it's okay to feel bad and shitty about something and feel that for a while. But like you said, you can't carry it around in a suitcase your whole life. And I know that's easier said than done, especially, you know, with people like my mom or like her best friend awful shit happened to them and it's it's you can't just say let it go it's not that simple but the main thing i would say is that for people who had something shitty happen to them that's not their fault it sucks that they got dealt a shitty hand but that is the hand that you were dealt and it is on you to make the most of it like there's a thing in in law i guess called the pedestrian pedestrian problem which is let's say you're walking across uh, the street and somebody's not paying attention, they hit you in the crosswalk. It's not your fault, but you have broken legs and it is ultimately, there's there's nothing that person can really do to make your legs heal or, or make, there's nothing, they can apologize all they want, but something shitty happened to you that's not your fault and it is your responsibility to heal yourself. It's fucked up and it's unfair and it shouldn't be that way, but it is. That's gnarly. Yeah, it sucks. What did you say, the pedestrian problem? Yeah, a pedestrian who gets hit in a crosswalk, it's not their fault. It sucks, but, you know, what are you going to do? Like, Great shit. You have to go to the hospital. I wouldn't say, I don't want to say the burden is on you because I don't want to make this sound like an old man lecturing. What I want to say is like, you know, it's you have the power to write your own script and it's not going to be easy. But like you were talking about with therapy, with surrounding yourself with the right people, you know, doing the like my mom worked on this shit every fucking day for hours her entire life. She was in AA. She went to meetings until the day she died. She would read. Uh, she was into this thing called A Course in Miracles that she would read every morning. She would read Yogananda every morning. She went to every fucking 12 step program you can think of. Al-Anon, ACOA, AA, like all of them. She worked on this shit fucking tirelessly and i don't know that she ever completely got the best of it i don't know if that's possible but she did everything in her fucking power to take control of her own happiness and i respect the shit out of that maybe more than anything else that like what is harder than trying to like reshape your own consciousness there's nothing harder than that and she worked on it for fucking hours every single goddamn day and I'm grateful that she, you know, gave me that gift because if she didn't, like, I would probably be the same, like, I mean, to be honest, she was kind of an unhappy person her whole life. And 
it's not her fault, but I probably would have ended up being unhappy like her too if she didn't teach me, you know, she didn't give me the tools to be a happier person. So I don't know if that helps anybody listening, but it is on you to take control, you know? Thank you for sharing that, bro. You got tears coming down my face right now. Like, yeah, shout out you and shout out your fucking mom, dude. Real shit. I feel terrible for the people, like her best friend. I won't say what happened to her, but her best friend since childhood had the most fucked up, horrible things happen to her when she was a child like unimaginably horrible things and it fucked her up her entire life like she was a mess her whole life she was homeless for a while and like was with these awful abusive men and in and out of halfway houses and stuff and i feel so bad for her because it's not her fucking fault at all you know it's not she didn't do a fucking she was a wonderful sweet person who just had horrible shit happen to her and I don't, I don't know what to say to people like that. I know what to say to someone who's maybe just feeling a little bit sorry for themselves and needs to just fucking snap out of it. But to someone like that who is a true victim of circumstance, I don't know what to say to them. And I wish I did. It's a really, really heavy world at times. And like, I think, uh, I think what you just said is going to help a lot of people. I know you actually just helped me by sharing that story and also giving kind of a resolution to it about this pedestrian problem. I don't know if I've ever let that set in, you know, that that sometimes you're just not in control of what happened. Yeah, you're not. And I've thought of, you know, witty little things to say along the way, like this trauma suitcase and shit like that. But I'll tell you what I've been wrestling with lately. And I'm sorry to take this in such a heavy direction, but I know that you're a thoughtful person. Now, this is human shit. And I love it, bro. I love it. I mean, you're you're the, the I think I don't know if this video is going live, but you can see I really am fucking crying right now. So like I, you, you just really touched me, man. Well, I, I appreciate that. What I've been thinking about lately is I'm coming to terms with the fact that I'm going to die. I don't know. I mean, there's nothing like I'm not sick or like nothing is going to happen to me tomorrow, I don't think. But I'm just realizing I'm 42 years old. Like I might be halfway through my life and I really enjoy it. And I'm sad that I won't live forever because I really love my life, you know, like spending time with my wife, for example, it just brings me immense joy every second, no matter what we're doing. And I wish it could last forever, but it can't. Dude, you're awesome. You're fucking awesome, dude. It's hard for like, it makes me sad, but I'm just trying to come to terms that this is the cosmic motion picture of life. And I think about like the Krishna shit I read when I was a kid and like, this is, I remember reading this stuff when I was 14. There was this band called Shelter that I was into and they kind of introduced me to this stuff instead of my mom. And I remember this sermon that they had on one of their CDs when I was a kid. It was like a hidden track type thing. And there's this uh, Krishna, I don't know what they call him, priest, whatever the fuck they are, talking about like the cycle of life and that, you know, birth, sickness, old age and death, it, it happens to all of us. And, you know, I'm trying to accept that which I, I know maybe sounds weird and morbid or something, but I don't want to fight it because it's the movie, you know? This yeah. is the motion picture of life, and I can't fight it. None of us can fight it, you know? And so, I'm, But I'm trying really hard to be present and enjoy every minute that I have. Like, I think about... I just talked about this with somebody the other day, but I think about, like, if... Imagine my wife was deathly ill and she was dying, and I would give everything that I've ever had and ever will have for literally one more minute with her, right? Yeah. So why not take that minute now while I have it is how I'm trying to think about it. You know, being present is so fucking, it's so hard, especially for me. I overthink everything. I'm always afraid of the future. I'm just trying to accept the, the movie, you know, and that I'm in the middle of the movie now. It doesn't last forever, but I want to just be grateful for that and enjoy the journey, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense. It absolutely does. And I think, uh, 
first off, again, seriously, thank you for sharing all of that. Like I said, I do, I, I, you know, I've had a lot of conversations in the last couple months with people and like, I've been really looking forward to this one, but like, damn, bro, you really just did some shit for me. You just did some <laughs> therapy work for me. You really did. And shout out your mom and, and all and all that for real, man. I think something like that is kind of similarly happening to me. I'm 34 years old, proudly 34 years old. I feel like I'm at the the best I've ever been my whole life. And I do believe in in the beauty in getting old. Like my mom said the coolest fucking thing the other day. We live in Hollywood and like, it, you know, all this shit. And I'm like, mom, is there anything you like want? Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, you're like getting old. You want like, fuck it. Everyone, everyone in this fucking town is like Botox, right? For instance. Yeah. So I'm like, mom, you want to do that? She's like, are you fucking kidding me? I love looking my age. Exactly. That's the answer. I was like, that is the coolest shit you've ever said, mom. And I will never forget that you said that. I thought it was just so fucking cool. And like, I'm getting to that point. You know, it obviously comes with like, getting older a eh? and also like you know clearing some of the the fog out of your vision um and and it starts to set in like holy shit like you, you're gonna fucking die and like that's probably gonna be really scary while it's happening you know i don't want to die i want to live forever i really do but at the same time you know we all know that's not gonna happen and it's like the one unknown of life is like why we're here why where what's gonna happen after and, uh, and, and coming to terms with that, there's a beautiful, beautiful thing that can happen, you know? And I think that like, it can go two ways. It can be like this very fearful thing, or it can be this like, become present. And you said, you said you'd trade everything you had for one more minute with your girl, you know? And like, that's just like the realest shit ever. It's the realest shit ever, bro. We all would trade all of these fucking monetary material nothing we would trade it all in that moment all of us would that's the one thing we can all have in common is like you're gonna trade your brand new car for one more moment in a heartbeat everybody would everybody would why not take advantage of the moments that you have now why spend your life chasing dumb shit that doesn't matter and then regret it it is like you said, it's like, you know, people have been saying this forever and it's easier said than done. But I do know it gets easier every time someone says this, you know, every time someone brings this up and 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 has some kind of point of view on that, it does get easier, you know. And um, I, I just fully, fully believe in that. And, and you know, just to touch on like a little bit of, of, of a side of that, too, is like one thing that I'm very proud of is that. I've made every piece of art that I make, every song that Modson has ever made, I make it from the lens of being dead. You know, I don't think about, I need this to make sense and be huge now. I literally know I paint paintings because I know they're going to be so valuable after I die. And I'm not saying valuable, like so much money. I'm saying yeah. like, people are going to want to see something that I created and left behind and the music that I've made, I want it to sound way better and be way more important after I'm gone. And like for any art, uh, artist out there, I think that's like, that's something that I've always been able to help artists with when, whether I was fucked up or not, I've always been looking through the lens of like, all of this means way more when I'm gone. All of this, every single thing. I write books, you know, I have six books out and I know that I write books because I want them to live longer than me. 
You know, I know I paint pictures because I want them to outlive me and they will outlive me and my music will outlive me. And I'm like creating all these sources that'll stay alive after I'm gone. And like, I think that like we can all find a way to do that, whether it's art, whether it's charity work, whether it's having a kid, whether it's a fa- anything, you can always do these things that'll outlive you. And I think that like once you, you shift a little bit of focus to that lens, I think that life does become a little easier. Well, I could I could talk about this all day, but I want to be respectful of your time. I appreciate it. I, mean, I know you got other shit to do. Um, any words of wisdom or anything you want to leave the the people with before I let you go? Literally nothing about me. I want to say your prayers, praise, bro. Real shit. Like you are a special person doing this and like long live the special ones like you who are putting themselves out here like this, like you do all the time. And not only do you do that, but you also help out so many other artists and shit. And like, honestly, bro, it was a really big pleasure of my life. I did not think I was going to be taking uh, something away from this conversation like I did. I knew I was going to have a great conversation with you, but I did not know we were going to take this turn. And like, I really learned a lot from you today, bro. And I think that like an interview is only as good as this moment right here. Like, not only are we able to speak to the people out there, but we just had a fucking great conversation, me and you, you know, and um, and long live the power of words, long live the power of this shit that we just did. And, uh, you know, my name is Mod Sun, M-O-D-S-U-N. It stands for Movement on Dreams, Stand Under None. If I could reach anybody new out there that's never heard me, that would be a blessing. But seriously, you just did something for me. And I really appreciate that. I hope this reaches as many people as possible because I think we just did touch on a lot of great things, dude. I hope so too. Thank you. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that, and you can just sit at home thinking about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little, little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. And my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics... Um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers, 
think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind podcast. <laughs>